This is the Radically Christian Crosstalk Podcast, Episode 5. I'm your host, Wes McAdams. On today's episode, we'll be discussing repentance. But before we get into the show, I want to thank our sponsor, Campaign Capitol Hill, which is a grassroots effort by Churches of Christ aimed at raising awareness in the Brotherhood on the fine line between politics and religion, preaching the gospel to our nation's leaders, focusing on repentance and God's standard of morality, and reaching lost souls with the saving grace of Jesus Christ. You can find Campaign Capitol Hill on Facebook at facebook.com slash Campaign Capitol Hill or on their website at campaigncapitolhill.com for more information on how to join the march for God's Word. Okay, we have a special guest today, Ron McElyay, one of the elders here at Baker Heights is with me. Ron, how are you, brother? I'm doing well. Thank you for letting me be here, Wes. I'm excited, brother. You and I have these kind of great discussions all the time anyway, and I'm excited to have other people listen in on on what we talk about. You know, one of the the words that that comes up a lot, and I thought that might be a good thing for us to talk about, um, is the idea of repentance. Mm. And I think it's a word that is is vastly misunderstood. It's a word that probably isn't even talked about a whole lot today um, in in the general religious world, repentance. Um, But you see that throughout Scripture. You see that in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, a call to repentance. So as it pertains to repentance, let's let's just kind of throw that out there and and talk about that for just a little bit. Um, what What do you think people need to understand about repentance? What do you think you and I need to understand about repentance, for that matter? Um... Uh, what do you what do you think is misunderstood about that idea? Mm, the, I like to use the term. We we don't like judgment. The, you know, when I say I like to use it, I like to use the expression. You know, we don't like judgment. Don't judge me. But what's really what's really ironic is everything we say and do in life is about discernment, mm-hmm. and we have to discern because judgment is going to be there. And by discerning, we have to evaluate and examine everything by a a particular standard. And when we quit doing that, when we quit examining that by a particular standard, then there is no reason to repent because all of a sudden the standard becomes whatever you want it to be. You can, defi- you can define that standard as opposed to letting God define it and saying, look, these are the standards I've set. You have not followed those standards. You have, in fact, not only have you gone against them, you've perverted those standards mm-hmm. and you've changed them completely. Return, repent. Come back to the standard in which I've set, and that really is the nuts and bolts of of repentance. I, I really think that that we should look at repentance and the availability of it through the gospel more positively than we do, mm-hmm. because it's through repentance, it's through repentance that we're able to get back or to assume the grace of God that He's giving us. Mm-hmm. You know, in the gospel, we talk a lot about love, and we should. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot about grace, and it's absolutely. That's a, that's a that's a key element of it. Uh, we we talk a lot about about not sinning anymore and this type of stuff. But what we don't talk about a lot is have we truly become repentant? Because that's as much of a message of the gospel as any other part of the gospel is. Am I changing my heart? Am I changing my mind? Am I changing what I do? How I do it? Who who I am even? Because unless we become like Him unless we do our best to strive to come on, and we're not truly repenting. We're keeping ourselves in the picture somehow. And that's well, that is difficult to communicate to people who want to be a part of a membership or a body or a religious group, and they're told, well, you can't do that unless you're willing to change this because this is the standard in which we are 
asked to go by. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, can we st- change that standard just for a short while for me? Mm-hmm. Can we just kind of, you know, we don't have to totally do away with it. Just just kind of water it down a little bit. And that way the standard lets me in. Mm-hmm. I'm in there now because mm-hmm. I, you know, I fit that standard. And sometimes we do that. Mm-hmm. We, we sometimes do. And when we do that, we have denied that person the privilege of repenting. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. When we change the standard rather than change ourselves— well, then we we haven't repented, and right. and we we have denied ourselves that, like you said, that's what a great word, the privilege of repenting. And don't you think that sometimes we have a tendency to talk about repentance? You know, we we sometimes talk about hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. We sometimes talk about repentance as if it's a one-time step. You know, it's a, okay, I've changed from the old man, and now I'm going to put on the new man, I'm going to become a Christian, and so I'm, I'm leaving that old life of sin, and now I'm going to become a Christian. And and there is there certainly is a, an aspect of repentance that is that death and burial you know being baptized, but isn't repentance an ongoing attitude that we are continually trying to to do our our dead level best to be pleasing to the Lord? And so we even read Scripture with a repentant heart and mind, or we we should. It's easy to read Scripture to just confirm what we already know, confirm what we already believe. It's hard though, but it's it's edifying. It it's it's admonishing. It 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 truly helps us and changes us if we read Scripture with a repentant heart and mind to say, where am I wrong? How do I need to change? What could I do better that I'm not doing now? How could I improve my walk with the Lord? Um, but but that, I think, is the idea of repentance, is that it is this, this attitude of humility, this attitude of submission that we put on and we continue to walk in always. Uh, you know, that's a phenomenal thought that you just had. I, I was thinking as you were, you were saying the words, I really was listening. I wasn't thinking of what I was going to say. But I, as you were saying those words, it, it just brought to my mind, you know, other words that we read in Scripture all the time, particularly in the New Testament, you know, there's the word called continue or continuing or practice or practicing. You know, Paul says, should we continue in sin so that grace may abound? God forbid. You see, repentance isn't a one-time thing. You right. can't just say, I repent and I'm not going to sin anymore because we know we are our flesh is weak. The Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. So the weak flesh is we're going to be we're going to be sinful people just because our flesh is weak. You know, Paul says, who's going to save me from this body of death that I'm in? It's mm-hmm. a, it's an absolute war that I'm in. And the key is it's practicing and continuing. You know, we use practice. We don't have a bit of problem using that in sports, uh, in, in almost any environment in which you have to practice to get better at something. But we don't use that in our Christian walk when over and over again, you look at the Apostle John, he says, don't practice unrighteousness, practice righteousness. Well, how do I practice righteousness? Because I'm going to fall short of that every moment and every day of my life. I practice it by looking at what I have said to the Lord. I'm repenting of this. I'm going to do my utmost not to continue in that sin. Does it mean tomorrow I may not even commit the same sin? But when I do it immediately is like somebody taking a hammer and hitting my thumb. Mm-hmm. It reminds me that was something I didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. So now I've got to practice even harder not to do it again. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it. I get a lot of emails from people. I, I made a video one time about this, how, how to stop sinning and, and put it on YouTube, and I regretted it ever since because I get, <laughs> I get emails from people all the time about, okay, well, how do I stop this sin? How do I stop that sin? How do I stop this sin? And it's amazing to me how people 
including myself, are are like are, are like that dog. You ever heard a dog that, that ran into a glass window? You know, and I mean, he doesn't just do it once. He does it over and over and over again. And they say, you know, that's the definition of insanity: doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And how if we were truly repenting, um, and and maybe we just need to be reminded or, or told, maybe sometimes for the first time. But if we if we truly are going to repent, we've got to change change everything or change something. It, it, just this idea that oh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna do better next time. I'm gonna try harder next time. Well, okay, maybe you will, but but why not change your environment? You know, First Corinthians fifteen thirty three. Bad company corrupts good morals. And and how often you, you got to change your friends? Do you really want to do better? Do you want to change? Then stop hanging out with those Amen. people, or stop going to those places, mm. or stop doing, stop putting yourself in the same situation. You got a teenage boy and girl that that keep falling into sexual sin, and it's like, okay, well, stop putting yourself in a situation where that's possible, or a man struggling with pornography. Get rid of the computer. Get rid of. Give yourself some accountability. You've got to change something. And how often, you know? And I question myself in in those times where I've struggled with the same habitual sin over and over again. It's like, Wes, do you do you really want to change, or are you just saying that? Do you, do you really want to repent? And if you do, then you're going to have to change your environment. You're going to have to make some some hard choices that say, okay, I just can't be in this environment. I can't hang out with these people or do this because when I do, I fall into sin, and I know that and recognize that in myself. Mm. I had a good man once tell me, in fact, one of my closest, dearest friends, tell me that, that in his in his years of counseling, particularly with, with uh, uh, drug addicts and alcoholics and things of that nature, that he had found that, that the number one thing, almost every one of them were tired of the lies and deceit and the web of, of, of what they were caught up in. And they, and almost all of them, without exception, wanted out. They wanted to do what it took. But every time he would suggest, this is the way, you have to change your playground and your playmates. Oh, that's good. And he said, I would look him in the eye and they'd say, but that's all I've got is my playground and my playmates. Well, if you want to repent, if you truly want to change and get your life going in the right direction, you got to change those. Mm-hmm. you got to repent of those. You've got to... Remove those. That doesn't mean that you can't try to teach them. It doesn't mean that you can't try to, in some way, um, uh, be a uh, an example to them and influence them. But it does mean that you can't stay around them and be able to truly repent. Because most people that are in those webs and caught in all those uh, situations, they're wanting to pull somebody in there with them. They don't want to be in there by themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole. That's really when you get down to repentance. That's it, it's really about you and your desire to please who you're trying to repent to. It's about pleasing him and mm-hmm. yeah, submission, it's about surrendering <laughs> everything you are. I was to waiting him. for you to yeah. say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you knew I would eventually. Yeah. And, and you know, and sacrifice right. those things which you think are important and say, I'm not gonna those aren't gonna be important to me anymore. Mm-hmm. I, do I still like them? Absolutely. Am I still tempted by them? Absolutely. But I'm going to sacrifice those so-called pleasures. I'm going to sacrifice those so that I don't have to be engulfed and caught in them anymore mm-hmm. as a trap. And that repentance, like I said, it, it it's, it's so hard because every one of us are faced with pretty much the same dilemma. Mm-hmm. And that's why, man, that's such good thought, because it's not just about realizing that something is bad. 
I don't think people truly repent when we just recognize that something is bad or wrong. I mean, you could tell somebody a thousand times and they could know it with every fiber of their being that that drinking or drugs or pornography or or lying or, you know, whatever it is that they're struggling with, that that's bad and wrong. I know I shouldn't do it. I mean, it's like eating eating mm, chocolate, you yeah, know, I mean, it, right. it's, I know it's bad for me. And, and, but yet we still do it because we, we haven't seen what's better. And, and when we see that God is better and that a relationship with God is better and that he is so magnificent and so glorious and that he is worth giving up everything, that we would make ourselves a living sacrifice to him. And we would say everything, Paul says, everything in my life, everything I had counted as gain, now I consider it rubbish. It's all trash. I don't care about any of it anymore because I can see the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So everything is is sacrificed to me. I'm dead to the world and the world is dead to me. And it, it's we only truly repent when we see God for who He is, and we say He's worth submitting and sacrificing. And what, what did I miss? Surrender. Surrendering. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Uh, you know, I love that. Ron always says, "Submit, surrender, and sacrifice." And and that really is repentance is all about those things. And we only do that when we see God for who He is. Uh, but so often we tend to just look at the world and just say, "Stop! Stop doing that!" You know, stop. Stop living that way. That's wrong. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And it's like, yes, we need to be telling people that, but we need to be telling them this is better. A relationship with God is better and helping them to see that both in in what we say and in showing them what God's word says, most importantly, but showing them in our life, you know, they should be able to look at us and they say, man, I don't know what it is that Ron has, but I want that. I, I want what Ron's got. And and that's that's what we're told when they ask a reason for the hope that is within you to be prepared to give them an answer, because people should recognize that we have hope, right. that that why don't you? My, my dad was out at a at a club one time with some business associates, a comedy com, a comedy club. Let me put it that way. So they were listening to comedians and things, and um and one of his colleagues was was having a mixed drink, and my dad was having a coke, and and uh, so he looked over, and he said, "Well, aren't you going to have some to drink?" And he said, "No, I no, I don't, I don't drink." And he said, "What? You don't drink?" And he was absolutely baffled, and said, "Well, how can you how can you have a good time without drinking?" And the world they they have no idea why. It's worth sacrificing worldliness because they don't know how great a relationship with God can be. You know, one of the byproducts, and we talked about changing your playmates and playground and changing who you're who you're around. But one of the byproducts of true repentance is that you're never going to be alone. As you said, you're always going to have God. But it's amazing how God will put other playmates in your life that. They're not going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. They're going to be trying to maintain repentance, doing those things that befit repentance, as Paul says. They're going to be doing that too, but they're going to be an encouragement. Mm-hmm. You see, we sometimes think when we repent, we've got to stop it. Okay, I'm going to stop what I'm doing, and I'm going to repent of that, and, and I'm going to change. But we're not alone. God never leaves us alone in trying to change. You know, your dad was never alone because he mm-hmm. knew he had your mom, and he mm-hmm. knew he had other faithful Christians who were going through the same things, but to help each other practice not doing that. Mm-hmm. Pra- and we don't help each. We don't see the the assistance that we have as Christians for each other because usually when I'm caught doing something I shouldn't be doing, it's usually saying something that's not 
accurate or in, inappropriate or whatever. And boy, I, the other elders are quick to point that out. You don't need to be saying that. Oh, okay, you're right. I don't need to be saying that. You know, it's amazing how we can influence one another and realize that they're looking out for our best. They're not. They're not trying to hurt me or trying to put me down or you know lower my uh, uh, standards or whatever. They're mm-hmm. trying to raise me and say, look, we've all got the struggles. Your struggle may be different, but let me help you elevate yours. We can do that. And you know that's something about repentance that we forget. God never leaves us. When we truly repent of something, he's going to put everything in our path that we possibly can use to maintain that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to give us that, uh, that treadmill that we can walk on. Mm-hmm. He's going to give us whatever we need to keep moving forward. That doesn't mean we may not stumble now mm-hmm. and then, but I guarantee you, your brothers and sisters in Christ, if they really love you, will be the first to lift you up. Mm-hmm. They'll be the first to do that, and, and that's exactly right. That's what we have in Christ. We we have the church. Amen. We have we have this right. wonderful body of believers who, like you said, not perfect, absolutely not perfect, but so much better than the world. I mean, the people in the world want you to stay where they are because they feel intimidated by if if you start. Right. In fact, we've got a guy here at church that that tells me all the time that when he stopped drinking. You know, his friends never stopped calling him. I don't know. They've still stopped calling him, you know, to say, hey, come with me. You know, why don't you want to come with me? How come you're not hanging out with us anymore? They keep on, keep on, because they they want to pull you back down to where Correct. they are. Uh, you you intimidate them when they see you doing better than they, they are. So they want to keep you down. In the church, for the most part, they want to lift you up. They want to edify you and encourage you and admonish you. And what a great place to be. So people think, well, so... Becoming a Christian means I have to give up all my friends and give up all this fun that I'm having. It's like, no, no, it's it's more enjoyable. And and you're not giving up friends. You're giving up those friends for better friends. You're giving up those relationships for better relationships. You're giving up that kind of quote-unquote fun for something that really is enjoyable, that, that doesn't have all of the consequences that go with it. But how often we just... We just stay in that rather than trading it for something that's so much better. Well, and what you just said, you know, I've thought, of, I think, a lot about various individuals within the in the church family and, and the struggles they have. What's amazing to me is that when people repent, the first thought you have is, well, I need help. I need to be the one that people need to be helping to overcome this struggle. What's really phenomenal is, is that God will put in your path things that you can do to help someone else. Mm. To they repent it and to overcome their struggle. Because if we're spending all of our time trying to help someone else, that's Jesus' perfect example of being a servant. If we're spending our time trying to help others maintain their struggles and repent, then we don't have time to worry about our struggle. We don't have time to be pulled back in by our previous playmates or friends. We're too busy. We're saying, look, we're trying to help these people that— care for me and I care for them. And it's a it, it's an amazing thing that repentance is, like I said, it's looked at fairly, fairly negatively, but it's really a very positive thing. And it's something that we have to do if we're going to obey the gospel of Christ. Absolutely. We have to do it. Absolutely. And so I think the key is, is that we've got to live a repentant life, you know, just always asking, right. how can I do better? What do I need to stop? And, and what do I need to put in place to help me stop? And what a great point that you just made how it helps us to do better by helping other people, by encouraging one another. And even, you know, I I was thinking about our singing. 
Ephesians 5.19, Colossians 3.16. We get so caught up on, on the, the how we make music sometimes issue. But the, the key there, I think, is about the words that we're singing. We're both glorifying God, so we're focusing on the, the greatness and the majesty of God, which is going to help us to deal with our sin, because it's helping us to realize what I'm gaining in Christ is far better than anything I'm sacrificing or leaving behind in the world. And then we're also teaching and admonishing one another in songs That's and right. hymns and That's spiritual exactly songs. Right. And so we we are we're encouraging each other. And so what I mean, there are so many Christians that are missing out on so very much by not being a part of the church that they're they're not able to live repentant lives. They can't live repentant lives in the world. This is where both in the community and fellowship of the church, but also in the worship that we lift up to God and edify one another with, this is where repentance happens. This is where this is the strength that we need to to live repentant lives all throughout the week. Amen. In fact, if you really if you really sit down and think about repentance, if you think about it's easy to stay seated in the quicksand in the mire, particularly if your head's above it, slightly above it. But to get up and pull yourself out of it and then stay out of it, that's the task. Mm-hmm. And staying out of it is is really what repentance is all about. Not just getting out of it, but then staying out of that that mire or that mud or whatever you were in, staying out of it. And the only way we're going to stay out of it, there's only two ways. That's lean on Jesus and lean on those that, that love us. Amen. That's right. Ron, I could go on all day like this. I, I enjoy it. I appreciate you coming on, brother. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening. We hope this discussion inspires you to have these kinds of spiritual discussions with people in your life. If you have a question or a topic you'd like for us to discuss, please call and leave us a short voicemail at 707-238-2216. That's 707-238-2216. Remember, we love you, God loves you, and we hope you have a wonderful day.